For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief treating their child with cannabis. This is One Family's Story. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love and Cannabis. I am Nina. I'm Osiris. And we are the proud parents of Aiden. Hey, everyone. How you guys are doing out there? Hey, everyone. Yes, we're back together. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, we had a quick separation. You know how that is. You need some time away from each other. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah, it's always (laughs) good. You need that break away. Just like, ah, let me just clear my mind. Yeah, Uh, get some time for yourself. Oh my God, you're so right about that. We rarely get that, do we? Very, very rare. Like once a year, if that. Yeah, so I, I, I have to give appreciation to those who decide to go beyond one child and feel like, hey, I'm going to fill this house with all those little voices. <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> I know. We're dying with one. Yeah, exactly. And then you hear your own voice and it's like, oh my God, I think I'm going bipolar on this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, from our last podcast, Nina and I basically did our own individual, I guess, expression of thoughts and ideas and things that we were going through our minds and what we felt. And one of the things that we wanted to do today is just really just like talk about that, to share that experience of being able to express yourself because we found it really challenging to express ourselves to each other. Um, we've always had the, like, how do we put it? Miscommunication. Yes. I say red, she sees purple, and it's like, hold on a second, we're looking at the same object, and it's just like, it's just how our perspectives were on a given day or given topic. Exactly, so like what I said in a, one of the previous podcasts was that sometimes we feel the stress different times. Mm-hmm. One person may be, you know, feeling happy and like have some clarity, while the other person, boom, bam, the stress is hitting them. So that causes, you know, a clash. Yeah, that's right. It goes back to like my philosophy class when I first remember my professor said, is the glass half empty or half full? Mm-hmm. And he said it was based on perspectives and a view of what you're looking at or what you're experiencing. At that time, I took philosophy. I'm like, okay, I just need a, you know, a seat for this class. <laughs> I don't need to get really involved. Lowered <laughs> expectations. <laughs> yes, I did have that. But a see. But <laughs> I was just trying to get a grade. That's all. Okay. But but reflecting on that and realizing like, oh, I get it. Wow. Okay. So it comes down to how you're living your life, how you're viewing the world and how you're interacting with that world. Because, you know, my view of reality is different than yours. And we share, we can share the same space, but our experiences are individualized. Exactly. So sometimes I'm like, is he... In reality? <laughs> Why gotta be me? Sometimes I'm thinking that you're out of reality. It's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> it could be something simple. I'm like, doesn't he see it? Yeah. So it's like all these different perspectives. Yeah, like for instance, it's like Aiden's running around, you know, tearing things up. For you, it's like, oh my God, he's just, I'm, I look at it as this, he's destroying your place. You're like, he's playing. I'm like, no, he's destroying the place. <laughs> yeah, it's different. So my grandmother on, my, on the Haitian side, she was like, 
laissez-faire. She she was very laid back. She believed that kids should just be kids. So like we talked the place. Yeah. So that was the way she did. she kind of had a blind eye to everything. Oh, so that's funny because my mother on the other end was like, "No, you're not doing that." Every Saturday, Sunday, if you want to go outside, you're cleaning. I want to see this place cleaned up, brooms, you know, the floor swept, furniture wiped down, dishes clean. I'm like, but I'm seven. <laughs> seven, eight years old, you're doing this, and it's like, it's ingrained in you. Yeah, so that's a, a different perspective. It is. I mean, I, th- I think that was one of our topics that we talked about at one point where you grew up in a house, you had, you know, everybody had their own rooms, they had a separate space. For us, we grew up in an apartment, one bedroom apartment. There's like five of us, it was like four or five of us in there at any given day. And we're like, you know, sharing beds, sharing space, sharing drawers. It's always not drawers and underwears, but I'm saying like dress of drawers and where our clothes go. So there was no individualism there. Yeah, it's funny that such a small thing. I didn't think that marrying someone who lived, grew up in an apartment. And you marry someone who lives in the house would be such a big deal. It is. It is. Because of how you see things. Because you, you took advantage of all the space you had. For us, we didn't have that much space. So we had to basically make Compart- sure. Compartmentalize. You know, yeah. Yeah. So everything had to be in a structure. had to be in order. So it's like you would walk into our apartment. You would not know there was five people living in that space. Which is great. So for me, I'm like, what's the big deal? You know, I... So it, it's definitely, if you marry someone that lived in a house and you lived in an apartment and vice versa, you know, that is an issue, which is real crazy. It could be an issue in a sense as if like you're a person who grew up and saying everything has to be organized. Everything has to be detailed. Everything has to be like in a structured way. And if you're not grown up in that, you know, like structured way in a sense, not to say like you didn't have things structured, but your drawer, you open your dresser drawer, everything has to be organized. Things have to be constantly cleaned. Things have to be wiped down. Things that it's almost like you were OCD, you know, passed down three folds. Yeah, because it's just like because you're sharing this space with so many people, you can't walk into the mess. You just can't walk into anything like, you know, food left out, things on. No, everything has to be picked up. Everything has to be. And the thing is, you would know in our household, you would know who didn't do what or who did what because it was so small. But I think for the most part, it kept us together, but also at times it made things, you know, very turbulent because we had no space. <laughs> but what we did have and my mother instilled in us was love. It's just like we love each other. We're together. We do things together. We play a lot. So there wasn't that much room for in- individualism in a sense of being your own individual person or your own character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened later on where we were able to actually go outside and, you know, interact with the community itself. But my mom was like... A stiff iron hand on everyone. She's like, nope, you're not doing it. She could be away and she'll know everything we do. She'll know if we went outside. Because we grew up in that kind of community. Where everybody knew who we were. Nice. They knew if we went out. And they would report to my mom. I mean, this is before cell phones, folks. Like, I'd get home. They're like, uh, my mom was like, so why were you down the street? Like, how the hell did you know that? You know, it's like I got eyes everywhere. <laughs> That's great. No, I didn't grow up in a community that had that. Everybody just mind their own business for the most part. That's crazy. No? Nuts. But I appreciate that. Looking back at it, I really appreciate a community like that where yes. everybody looks out for your child. Everybody looks out and everybody knows everybody I and, like and they yeah. share, you know. But the one of the things, or one of many things, one of the many things that we wanted to share is just the fact that we were raised differently. We have different perspective on things. 
And I think that plays a long way into our relationship as well and how we see each other, how we handle situations. I mean, we could be looking at the same thing, but just have different experiences with that. Yes, exactly. Just going into the fact that, you know, dealing with our son, I would have to be honest and say I was in denial that he was going through something, knowing that he is. I can see it. I feel it. But I, a part of me was like in denial, like, no, this is going to change. This is not going to be forever. We're going to work towards it. And I embraced the idea that uh, doctors, you know, our neurologist said he will grow out of it. That the fact that there was no bleeding on the brain, there was no swelling, there was no lesions. There was nothing to show that, you know, that this was going to be long term. And I, I'm holding on to that. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm holding on to that until the day that it stops. That being said, it hasn't. But yet I'm still holding on to that fact. You know, you tell me, oh, sorry, this is what's going to happen. This is going to play out. And I take you to your word. I hold you to that word and believe it. Even though every day my eyes are tell, showing me something different. I'm like, no, it's going to change. This is temporary. And I think that one of the things that we, you know, we used to have an argument over is him wearing a helmet. You know, you used to fight over that. You're like, put the helmet on. He's going to fall. I'm like, no, he's not. He's going to be fine. He's been okay with me. Even though he's probably dropped like a couple of times already. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question. What is it with you with the helmet? To be honest, I think in my mind, I'm like, if I put the helmet on, it's saying I'm giving in to the idea that his seizures are not going to stop. You know, it's something symbolically in that idea that... If I put it on, I'm giving into the idea that, you know what? His seizures will never go away. Accept it for what it is. It wasn't like I'm denying you of saying, I want to keep my child safe. I don't want him to hurt himself. For me, it was like, he's going to be all right. I believe the doctor. I believe what she said that he's going to grow out of it. It's just a matter of when. And I'm thinking in my mind that if I put him in that space that he's not having seizures, even though he is. (laughs) <laughs> that it was going to stop like by not wearing the helmet. Mm. So I don't know if it was a detachment from reality or is I'm trying to create a different reality mm. by hoping that energy, that thought, the universe is working with me together and making this happen. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just like, you want him to get injured any further? I don't. No, to be honest, I don't. It's just that I didn't want to give in to the idea that this situation may not change. I'm being optimistic. I'm being hopeful, but I wanted to create that space for that to happen. Interesting. See, there's another thing we think very differently in that because I still have hope that things will change, but I see what's going on today. So the change may not come today. The change may come a year from now, two years from now. Some kids have seizures 10 years and then boom, it stops. So I'm very optimistic that, you know, in his case, I've been reading some reports with his mutation of his gene that them kids just have remission just like bam and i'm still hoping for that but with me with the helmet i'm like let's just keep him safe for today (laughs) the day after day like i it could still go into remission but let's just keep him you know safe (laughs) and a part of me i think looking at him i'm like his helmet is on, but he's not on a bike. He's not on a scooter. He's just walking around. He's got a helmet on. I'm like, ah, I just want to see my son's face. I know. I want to see his glowing face. I I want to see his eyes. I want to see his head. I want to see his hair, his eyes. I just want to see him. Just, I just want to, you know, I just want to see him. And I think the, sorry, seeing the helmet was just preventing me from seeing and experiencing him. 
And all it did was remind me that he was having something. That he was he was going through the seizures. It was hard. I get it. I get it now. It is very hard. You know, it's just a reminder that he's, you know, has this ailment. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, but, you know, looking at him and, you know, his smiling face, him running up and down the hall. It's not like we have a big place, but he, he's always finding ways to run and just jump on the couch. And it's like, is this kid actually going through something? And that keeps me going. Literally, that keeps me going. He's seeing a smiling face when he wakes up in the morning. He wants to, like, touch your face or he hugs you while you're sleeping. He's annoying. Yeah, that keeps me going. <laughs> and, like, I feel like God gives us little reminders that, wow, he's doing okay. Like, it was, like, last year when he was in kindergarten for the first time. <laughs> we are like, oh, that was hilarious. you could read? I remember that time. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what in the world? Like, oh. he came home and the teacher's... Every you know day they give kids um book baggies where there's all the books and they have to read the books. So I'm like, oh boy, I said, here we go. So I picked up the book and I said, here go. He read the book. We're like, and then I had to videotape it and send it to Osiris. I'm like, and Joe says he can read. <laughs> what? <laughs> it is funny. He has these bursts of moments. He is he is Very funny. Smart. He's smart. He has a personality. He's a character in a half. And it's funny. One day, I think we put on opera. It was just by chance. I was just more than this opera. And it was on the, you know our TV screen. And he sat. He stood there. Not even sat. He got up. And he was mimicking the conductor as if he was conducting his yeah. own opera. I was like, <laughs> okay, this kid's in the opera. He definitely likes to touch the piano keys. That's one of the things that I'm like, okay, we need to uh, encourage this. Yeah, he wants to touch piano keys. It can't be an electric synthesizer or piano because then he'll just put a button on and sit back and let it play. But for him, interaction, I, I think it started when he was like three or four years old. We took him to a music lesson. Yeah, he, he was playing with the piano. piano. The first thing he did was jump on. Mind you, he was still having seizures, but he wanted to touch the keyboards on a piano. It was, it was interesting. And watching this kid develop is like, <sighs> I wish the seizures were stopping. We could see him blossom. Yeah. Once they stop, it's going to be. It, it's going to be amazing. And for the parents out there who are going through it with your child, just hope and hold on and wait for that child to blossom, you know, provide that environment. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. Every day is a challenge. Hell, sometimes you forget to take care of yourself, let alone eat, shower, brush your teeth. <laughs> As you go through the day, it's hard. As we reflected on the ideas of our relationship around this whole system, a lot of things that we did forget was each other. It's not a lot, but it is a lot. But I think that's one of the major things is that we forgot about each other because we made an oath together saying Aiden's going to be our focus. He's going to be totally what we were about, what we want to do and make sure that he's okay, sacrificing us. But at the same time, we had to think about, you know, what happens to us because without us, there's no him. If we're focusing on him, 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 what's keeping us together? What's keeping us grounded? And I see us really separating and kind of like falling apart because we didn't make it about us focusing on him. It's made it about him, him individually. Yeah. And meeting at that point as a part of in the sense that we work together collectively to get to him. 
now we're at this stage where it's like, okay, is there a us? You know, every day we question is like, hey, you know, it's it's two roommates. We're at this point where like we're roommates. <laughs> to be honest, we're truthfully like, let's be real, we're roommates right now. There's no real intimacy in the sense of like exchange of hugs, kisses, and hey, how are you? And you know, how are each other? Hey, did you do this? It's like we bark orders to each other about what the day's gonna look like, and that's it. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of the stress just kind of gets to you, and you have nothing else left. Yeah, no energy, no thought, let alone emotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely is rough trying to, you know, when people say you could do it all and it's really rough. Like you're working, you know, living in New York City, everything's expensive. So a lot of times you're really working multiple jobs or you're at your job working really hard so you can keep it. It's and a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle. And then the fatigue then you're exhausted. And, you know, everybody has the individual health issues, whether it's major or minor. Minor. But it adds up. It can add up. I, so it's just like, how much energy can one person push? Especially if you're not even sleeping at night. And then you're not sleeping at night. Oh, my God. I think there was a time I recall that no one, even Aiden, was not sleeping. We were literally at our wits' end. The fact that you were having nightmares at night. The stress was getting to you so much that it was affecting your sleep. Aiden was going through his stage where he was getting up in the middle of the night. And I couldn't sleep because I don't even know what was going to happen. I had to think about the... Because I overanalyzed it. That's one of my downsides is that I overanalyzed everything. And it will keep me up in light. It keeps my mind running. And I think using cannabis had helped me to settle down and allow me to sleep. But... I could have survived on three, four hours of sleep. Remember my work schedule? I'd get home at 10 o'clock at night, be in bed by 12, be up by 3, at Dunkin' Donuts at 4, and head to work by 6. I wouldn't even come back to the house. I would go straight to work. That was a rough, rough, rough. You know, it took to the point where you said, you have to quit your job because I can't do this anymore in the morning with him. Because Aiden was just having a rough time in the morning and was driving her crazy, but I was gone at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Headed to work. So you were left to get yourself together and get him together while he was going through his mood swings and his seizures by 7, 7.30 to get him ready for school. Those were trying times. Yes, very, very trying times. So I, I had to make a decision. I, I quit my job so I can help out. Yeah, that was, I forgot you forgot about that was that time. That was a hard decision for me to make, especially if I'm supposed to be the breadwinner, supposedly, you know, society says. I'm supposed to be the one taking care of the household. I'm supposed to make all these things. You know, I'm supposed to do all these things as it laid out in the menu, as I call it. And to make that decision was not easy as a man. Yeah. And also, it wasn't sustainable. Like, that's nothing you could doing 10, 10 years, 20 years doing. It wasn't a sustainable job. The job is long. Actually... I think a, a, the problem with me with the job is that I put so much into it. It was probably wasn't necessary if I had created a nice little system structure and get everybody in pay, on pace. But the fear of losing that job, the losing the income, made it so much so that I felt that I had to be there. Ooh. It made me overcommit more than they're willing to pay me. Wow. 
I didn't want to because I knew that we were dependent on that income. So I overcommitted. So I was married to the job more so than I was married to the family. Why do you think you did that? Why? Because I knew that we were one needed the money. Secondly, we live in an expensive place to live in the city. Third, we it's just it's as a man, you needed to make sure that, hey, I am the breadwinner. Secondly, I had to make sure that there was a roof overhead, food in the fridge and child going to a good school. And that we were able, I was able to support my family. So I sacrificed any personal needs that I may have in order to make sure that I was at that job. Because the last thing I wanted to be is on the radar to be fired or to be considered to be fired. Because as a black male in a predominantly white employed job, you know, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. You take a lunch one minute too long. Hey, buddy, you know, that lunch was a little too long. Oh, okay. So fun, <laughs> but it's it's that yeah, kind of environment. Sometimes you not, have to, to look me, at it that's that way. A rough environment. I've never worked. I don't know if I'm a slacker. <laughs> I more <laughs> I am slacker, but I never felt. Also, I'm in a different profession. Like, oh yeah. So I never felt that's a that's a lot. You know, I never felt that I had to do that to. Maybe I was. I don't know if it's being cocky or too laid back, but I never felt. That I had to give 150% I don't, at a job just to not get fired. The thing is this. For me, it came from even being when in college. When your intelligence is being questioned. Yeah. Your work ethic is being questioned because people are people are picking up things from TV or the media. And so they have, like we talked in one episode about the prejudice or the stereotype. You're lazy. You're this and that. And so you feel you have to work twice as hard to prove yourself, to prove your intelligence, to prove your ability to do the job and keep the job. Yeah. To sometimes to a fault that you're willing to sacrifice your relationship, your family, and just your basically health. Wow. Yeah. Because there was times like where I had sick days I rarely use. If I did, it was because I couldn't even get up. And that was rare. I remember one time um, I didn't go to work. And you were like, how come you didn't go to work? I said, I'm taking a mental health day. You were like, what, what the, the hell, hell is that? that? <laughs> I, said, I said, what normal people do? You call out sick <laughs> when you're not just to relax. I'm like, man, I remember I went to work with a cast. I broke my foot. And I went to work. I remember, I, I forgot what kind of, uh, I think I had surgery and I, I went to work two days later. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's that thing. Cause it's, I keep in mind that, Hey, as long as you're not in control of your own future, if, some, if you're dependent on the next person to make sure that your future is okay, you always got to be up and ready to go until you call your own shots. Forget about it. And I think that's why I work so hard to make sure that I put something in place for Aiden. Because of his ailment, because of his situation, I don't want someone else to do, tell him what his future is going to look like, what is going to be laid out before him. Got it. And that's on us. So that, that's a different kind of stress. But to go back to the fact that how we see the world, how we view it and why I did what I did and how I worked so hard is because I wasn't handed a lot of things. I've seen the worst society has to you know, offer a lot of challenges, even dealing with relationships. Sometimes it's just like, I'm not going to do this. I've seen 
some negative sides of relationships. I've seen the physical aggressions that man can give to a woman. You know, and I don't want that. I've seen the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, the manipulations that happen. I'm like, I, it's something I didn't want. I don't want. Let me just put it this way. I didn't want that. So whenever we got into our situation, I always said, I'm going to step back, give you room, let you breathe. Because I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to have you dictate how that's going to happen based on what you do. I'd rather give you the room, let you get it all out. And then when you're ready to talk, we can talk. Because as a male, I'm like, if I see aggression, I'm supposed to naturally go against aggression because, you know, male, testosterone, let's fight. If this is what you want, let's fight. For me, it's like, no, I don't want that. I've seen what's happened. And I don't want to live that. I'm breaking cycles. Nice. I'm breaking cycles. Well, it's really great that you're aware of that. Some people, it's just repeat cycles because they don't acknowledge it. Acknowledge what happened in the past. Yeah, and they end up reliving it and re-experience it, and it's they find themselves in places they don't want to be. And that's not me. I, I don't ever. I've been in situations. I'm gonna be honest. I've been in a couple of relationships where I broke up. With young ladies who wanted to, I don't know whether it's intentional, subconsciously, but they felt that, hey, we're going to get into a fight, physical fight. And, you know, you're going to put your hands on me and then I am going to call the cops or something's going to happen. And it's, I played out. I'm seeing I'm like, OK, I don't like where this is going. And no, this is over. Literally, the you know, the try to make you jealous Try to make me into that jealous male. I'm like, look, I, I'm above that game. I'm I'm gonna go home, and end the relationship. Like, look, I don't think it's gonna work between us. It's been a pleasure. We had some great times. Good night. <laughs> That's it. That's all, folks. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not gonna be all folks in front of the judge. <laughs> He's talking about ten years. Yeah, it's not. And when you think about those things, like, yeah, I made some. You know, I'm I'm not gonna be like I. I'm not gonna be like I'm an angel. I didn't make any mistakes. I made enough mistakes. Enough mistakes to say, you know, I have an opportunity to make it right. And which I'm doing. But I think for us, we haven't gotten to that point. I was listening to your podcast. I'm hearing your voice and I'm thinking like, wow, how much you've gone through. How much of the things that you felt you were alone and that I didn't understand or I didn't hear you. And yeah, you're right. You are right. I didn't hear you. And I think part of me didn't want to. And I, I felt that I neglected you in a way, in a sense that all I wanted to hear is my voice and what I wanted and what I felt was right for us. Because, again, as a male of the household, these are the things that I need to put in place. These are the things I want to talk about, whether it's uh, uh, how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to take care of our son. These are the things that we need to do. Because I've seen the, the wrong side of how things go. And so I wanted to implement the way I feel that it should go the right way. But not saying that it's the right way. What I've never seen in my life is seeing a partnership between a father and mother working together collectively talking about, 
hey, these are the things that we need to talk about. These are the things that we need to lay out. Here's our game plan. This is how we're going to address certain things as they come up. I think one of the things that I was very happy that we did agree upon is that if neither one of us agreed on a particular issue or something that affected our hustle, we don't make a decision. We don't move on it. Until we're both in agreement of it, then we move forward. But if we weren't in agreement, we don't move on it. We continue to discuss it. That's one of the things I appreciate. Like you're talking about the partnership, and I know many times you, during our time, you're like, you would say, you know, be strong, you can do this. You know, my mom did this, and she only had by herself. And yeah, single mom raising four kids, kids and she three did. boys, one girl. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of in the black community, a lot of men who, who, who raised from single moms, that's how they see it. Like, oh, my mom did this. So they kind of expect their wives to do the same. To do the same. Yeah. But, but I think thing, that's everybody, though. Yeah. But the thing is, there are times where you don't know that your mother was probably crying. They, you don't oh, know no. there were she, times she that was. she was shaking herself to sleep because of fatigue um, not eating, not stress. My thing is, why would you want that for your wife? It, it, the funny thing is, no, it's not funny. None of this is, stuff. <laughs> this is all serious it's, stuff. It's, so it's, but like, it's ironic. Let me just say, because I've seen those moments when my mom would come home and she'd look in the fridge for food and I knew it. There was times that she would come home and she wouldn't eat. And so what I would do, I was like nine, 10 years old. I would put food away that I didn't want. I didn't eat. I intentionally not eat because I knew she would be looking for it and leave a plate for her. Yeah, so, so basically she struggled. So I did, she, struggled. She, she struggled. And she did everything mm-hmm. because she had to. And that was the situation that she was given. But if you are married, you can't expect your wife to be at the same level. No. Because she suffered. And why would you want your wife to do the same hardships like that? Well, I suffer. Know, well, if you look back, I don't think it's so much suffering in the sense that you're looking at, but I think it's, it's there isn't really suffering because it was a decision that was made. She chose to be with the individuals that she chose to be with. It is. It's not like someone, hey, you're going with this person. You made a decision. You chose to be with the person, but you chose because, one, either you were not in a stable position of yourself that way you can do your own thing, or the fact that you saw something in this individual and said, hey, this guy is going to give me or provide me the opportunities that I need to to be fruitful as a wife, as a mother, as a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm with him. One of those three reasons is why I'm with this individual. Even though there were signs that you saw, like, this is not the right guy. But something in you said, <laughs> you know, we do that. We like make excuses for oh, he's just he's just like that. Oh, they, you know, he'll outgrow that. Uh, I'll change him. He'll he'll become a better man or something else. And it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. For some, it does, and for the majority of the time, it doesn't happen. What you like, my mother told me: trust a woman's instinct, or trust your mother's trust the mother's instinct. You see it, you know it, you sense it. You do. But as it relates to relationships, a lot of times it's just, I look at it as that it's two individuals coming together, 
making a whole, but yet still maintaining their individuality. If at any time one person wants to dominate that other individual's space, the relationship's over. Because what brought us together was your individuality, your individualism, your who you are. And so we're just making halves in order to turn into holes. But in order for it to be successful, we have to maintain those halves as they come together as holes. And that's why I wanted to bring a lot of things to the table in our relationship. Makes sense. But there was times where you rejected it because you didn't understand it. At the time, I didn't, under- I didn't understand that the fact that you didn't understand it. I thought it was plain English, but you were like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. And I was told that one of the three reactions you'll have was one, you reject it, ignore it, or accept it. Rejection was the first thing. And I think, and I look back, and I see uh, everything that I say, is it going to be a rejection? Because is it my idea? Or is it I'm not explaining it? Or it was just the fact that you just want to reject ideas that come from me. And that's why when you say, why are you taking things so personal? It's like, I have to because I don't know where it's coming from. And the same thing when you say something, I say, you're like, why are you making it personal? I'm like, because I think you're attacking me, so I'm attacking back. So it's a natural defense. And so we get nowhere. But, you know, endless amount of not speaking to each other, arguing, tantrums. All these other things that go on. And at the same time, we still got to manage that where he doesn't see it. Aiden does not see this happening between us. But we have to be cordial. Good morning. Good morning. But it's almost a robotic. It's almost automated. (laughs) Alexa could do it for us better with more personality. (laughs) You know, it's just like absurd. The fact that we rarely say good morning to each other. What we say is this. Are you going to do this, 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 and this? It's like orders, like we're in the military. <laughs> it's like orders are given out before we say good morning to each other. Or to find out who's making coffee, who's going to get what. It's just directives. It kind of dehumanizes our relationship, you know that, right? It's like so much to be done. Yeah, I understand that, but it almost... It, it, no, nah, it's not almost. It is a chore. Our relationship is a chore now. Who does what? Who goes where? Who does... <laughs> you know, who's left what? You know, it's like... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, your day. Sunday, Wednesday, Wednesday Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, we split. Friday, Saturday, we we'll do some combo. And we keep that schedule going. But there's no like, hey, are we going to go out to dinner together? Are we going to have a date? Date night? Holy shit. Excuse my language. Holy crap. Have we? When was the last time we had a date night? New Orleans. Two months ago. Yeah, when we first, one of the first episodes. Yeah, I think it was one of the first three, four episodes. Yeah. The fact that we actually, it wasn't, it was, it was a date night, but it was a wedding, but it was forced. <laughs> because you were contemplating not going because of the storm. Yeah. And someone said, you know what? I think what it was with me, let that plane go down. I'm going. <laughs> See ya. I think I was like, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> It's so crazy. I think I was on a suicide mission. I was like, if if JetBlue does not cancel my flight, I'm going. If the plane's going down, the hell with it. Because it's probably better than what I'm going through right now. <laughs> so, And I think that's why I said, you know, the hell with it. I'm going. 
Everyone's like, it's a hurricane. This, that. We're watching the news. I'm like, I don't care. If JetBlue does not cancel my flight and, and reimburse me, I'm going to this wedding. And we ended up going and we had a great time. Yeah, we did. We did. We actually had a great time. So I guess we got to go to a couple of more hurricanes or, yeah, you know, storms. Just to relax, right? But it's apropos in the sense that, you know, stormy relationships, you know, stormy conditions for people to come together. But that has to be a general interest to do that and say, hey, let's talk. Let's let's really hash out what is it we're feeling without the sense of uh, fear, animosity. Because I think that at times we do have that and personalizing like there's an attack going on because it's not I want to attack you as a person. I rather attack the issue at hand. And I want you to understand that it's not you I'm going after. It's the issue. It's the thought process. You as a person is great. But the thought process needs to be discussed. It's like, where are you getting this from? Because we're not seeing eye to eye or it's not solving. It's not adding. It's not benefiting whatever we're going through. Yeah, I mean, you hit a lot of points. Hey, look, I don't want to hit all points. I want you to hit something because I want to think it's like lopsided. <laughs> and then you come back, well, you wanted to take control over this. You made it seem like it was all about you. I don't want that. <laughs> you bitching and moaning about all this shit. <laughs> you know, I don't want that. <laughs> Is that your voice? <laughs> so um, I guess we, I, we wanted to recap on each other's podcast. But the, 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 and, and it was basically not. what we did, yeah. I mean... One of the points that you were saying during your podcast that really resonated with me was the fact that, you know, you were hurting oh, yeah. and that you felt helpless because you didn't know how to help your family. Oh. And, you know, that was, you know, that hit me home because I, I guess it felt like maybe you did something wrong. And like so that was... A point that resonated with me. How I did that make you feel, though? When you heard that, well, it's how like that sad. Make- like you had to feel that way, and at the same time, I felt the same way too. I felt like something that I did. Like I, we both had this guilt. So, but imagine, we never shared that. You know that shared that. You. That's funny that you. It's not, none of this is funny. I say it's funny, but it's not. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we've never mentioned that to each other until now. Until we heard the podcast that we did individually. We've never actually sat down and talked to each other and actually expressed the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, just all of it like we did. It's like, I think to a certain extent that we were afraid of how that might be accepted or perceived from each other. How does a relation work when you think that it's going to look negatively in that other person's eye? It's like... How does that? You yeah, know, it's, a, it's not. It's not a good recipe. No, it's not. I think also when you so both should have. We, should two, we call a lawyer? I don't know. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Maybe a shrink. <laughs> yeah, maybe. The thing is, like, when you both when both parties have a guilt, is like one of the worst feelings that you can feel. Guilt's the worst. It'll rob. It, it robs. I heard. Your soul. I read. I, I don't know if I read or someone told me it says it. Guilt robs the soul. Exactly. So if you both parties are feeling guilt. You know, you need to, we both have to really do something about releasing that guilt. I'm still holding on to a lot of guilt. 
Over what? But why aren't you sharing that though? I did. He was listening to the podcast. Yes, I did. But I, I sense there's more. I think you just scratched the surface. I think you're hiding a lot of it. Maybe, maybe more than I even know myself. So, so the question is, then when do you let it go? I don't know. I've tried to let it go, but it's just hard. I'm, I'm still dealing with it. It's been, I mean, with Aiden, it's been what sixty? Well, no, four years of his him being diagnosed. And nine years that we've been together. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I think that you have some type of underlying animosity towards me. I have to be real. Because these conversations we have, like, it'll be something simple. And you will literally blow up and lose your yeah, biscuits. Okay. This is what husbands have to understand. No, 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 no. no, no it's not that, upset, but I'm saying, though. But it's I not take animosity you. towards you. It's we with you guys I'm all the time. You're personalized. Basically, sometimes husbands become... Annoying? Punching bags or pin cushions. Ah. Because we're only with you. You know, I thought about that. I don't I don't really talk to girlfriends like that on the phone. I'm not ah, you know, I don't okay. we don't we don't have any body else, really. So you have no other outlet. We don't so have, you I so... don't necessarily have an outlet. And you could say something and I'm already stressed and it's like a trigger and it just here we go. So here it comes. Ah Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> with a knife in your hand. If anything husbands have to realize it. Don't take some of our stuff personal. Like you're gonna go cry about this and and keep thinking. Remember, women sometimes you're not feeling well. Like it's just like it's rough. Like you know, I'm not making excuses for women or our behavior, but sometimes between the fatigue and the stress and different hormones at different times of the month, it is rough. And then not getting like sleep. Sleep deprived of help. Yeah, it's okay. like you're it makes too, no one else is there but you. <laughs> uh, but you know that helps so much that you tell me this now. I mean, you waited nine years. That's fine, but the fact that I know now makes things easier because now I know how to conduct myself when you get to that point. I can deal with it, so I can tell my divorce lawyer to rip up that. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Like, yeah, let me call him. That saved me like $1,200. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, okay, there was this one girl I was working at the job. She was ripping into her husband. I was like, whoa. And then one of the other colleagues was like, oh, no. They have the greatest relationship. I was like, what? She was like, oh, yeah, they have the best sex life. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. I'm but that's like, so... okay. She's like, yeah, she does that, but he doesn't take it personally. Like, literally ripping, like, do what she would not be able to handle. Like, calling him an idiot, like, all kinds of stuff. Yes. Holy crap. Like, like, I, like, things that I've never said to you. Like, yeah, they're not. Please. <laughs> She's like, what are you, an idiot? And I was like, what the what? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. And then, like, like on Friday, she's like, I can't wait to go home and have sex with my husband. And we're like, what the world? Uh, she could enhance that with some nice, let's say, Jack Hara. That take the expression. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Oh, hey, so. look, some Skywalker. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that Skywalker. That Skywalker really works. It's great. So, if you know. haven't tried it, folks, try it. Yeah. It's a, a cannabis strand. Cannabis they, know, they, they know, they know, they know, they know. Definitely try it. How did it make you feel when you did it? When we Skywalker is great. I mean, how did it make your body feel in a sense before engaging into light speed? No, it's just total relaxation. 
totally accidental. Was it a body experience or was it just a mental? Was it a cerebral? Okay. Was it a cerebral, spiritual, or body experience? Ooh. Yeah. Know, body. It was more body? Yeah. So you were connected. So you felt everything. No, I just was, I don't know. <laughs> more relaxed. Were you there? I was probably not there. Holy crap, but did you fall asleep? No, but it, just, it does put you on so like that sleepy mode. So it's a, it's a nighttime cannabis. Hearing this sucks, you know that, right? <laughs> That's so damn lame to shit. <laughs> really, you just lay there. No, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Oh my anyway. god. Oh my god. <laughs> really? All this time I'm like, yeah, I'm Captain America. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Crush the ego, you know that, right? I don't remember. Really. Oh, that's even worse. Okay, you're making it worse. Don't say anything else. Okay. Don't make it worse. <laughs> anyway. Oh, you- delete! Delete! <laughs> do you have any questions for me? No, I have we, no. Are we yeah, done? Yeah, because if I ask you another question, it might just dig another hole. I'm oh, just rather now. Yeah. Oh my God! Really? Do you even remember? No, my God! Don't you even remember? Is that okay? You don't even remember? I, okay, let's wrap this up. No, no, I don't know where we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so. I hope this was a good episode. You hope. Oh, I don't think it even has to do with it. If you're saying hope, you're not thinking about the episode. You're thinking about us. I hope it was a great night that night. I hope you remember. How- ah. Hi, right, folks. Good night. I'm hurting right now. <laughs> I think I'm just going to. Ah, I'm going to try something else. Maybe. Oh, Gorilla Glue 4. Yes, because I'm going to sleep. Okay. And forget this night. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Good night, yo. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love, Love and, and Cannabis. Cannabis. I'm Nina. I'm Osiris. And we're the proud parents of Aiden. Aiden. Be strong. And stay empowered. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.